Welcome listeners to this week's behind the scenes episode with Latinx Lit Audio Mag. I'm your host, Teresa Douglas. And today we're going to be talking to Tomas Moniz, the author of The King of Aloe Vera. Tomas's de- debut novel, Big Familia, was a finalist for the 2020 Penn Hemingway, the Lambda, and the Forward Indies Awards. He edited the popular Rad Dad and Rad Families anthologies. He's a 2020 artist affiliate for Headland Center for Arts. He has stuff on the internet, but loves pen pals. P.O. Box 3555, Berkeley, California, 94703. He promises to write back. Welcome, Tomas. Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate you reading my P.O. Box because I love letters. Oh, and we're, we're fully going to put that in the show notes so that... Any, any listener who takes you up on that offer can easily find it. So maybe you'll yeah. have a whole flood of pen pals coming soon. That would be wonderful. I've got a few that, you know, I put it in my book as well at the end, and I would get these letters from random strangers who checked out my, uh, you know, book from the library in Des Moines, Iowa, and telling me what they thought. So <laughs> it was wonderful. That's nice. Well, we, we are going to talk about this wonderful excerpt, but before we do, we're going to take an off-topic question here for just a moment, because it is sort of like you're sitting in my metaphorical house at my metaphorical table, and I would offer you, I guess it would have to be metaphorical food at this point, but if I were to offer you something to eat, I would love to know what you like. So what is your favorite comfort food? That's a that's a tricky question. It's interesting. I thought about that when I looked over kind of the pre notes. Um, I would say immediately coffee, although that's not a food. But coffee <laughs> certainly makes me feel comfortable, relaxed. Makes me feel like I'm in a safe space. So you know that 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 really resonates with me. But if I had to go with food, I'd have to do like you know some tortillas and eggs. That's mm. my thing. That that sounds like we would be having a nice brunch somewhere. There we Honestly, go. We'll sounds a, nice. Yes. Have a coffee. You have your eggs and tortillas. We throw a little salsa on the side. Ugh, Perfect. so good. So now Great, I do now know hungry. what my comfort food is: brunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole thing, right? Because especially coffee is just the stuff of life. We'll just throw it in there. Everybody needs their their caffeine mm-hmm. at any point in the day, but oh yes. So thank you. I would I would definitely want to serve you some coffee and and share some some eggs and tortillas with you. Sounds wonderful. Well, The King of Aloe Vera. So this this is an excerpt that you sent and it, it's lovely because it it was so intri- it's intriguing and you know I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, I get so excited when I get to talk to authors with their stories. Before we do that, let's talk a little bit about you and your background. And I would love to know, how long have you been writing? Um, that's an interesting question as well. I think I've been writing um, kind of as long as I can remember. I used to be, when I was a kid, and I, I, we would listen to albums, and they'd have, like, they used to always put one instrumental song on an album, and for some mm-hmm. reason I hated that there were no lyrics, so I would be writing lyrics to the instrumental songs on any album fun. that were there, me and my brothers. But, um, you know, I think I took seriously writing in college. I was a, you know, real young parent at 20, and mm-hmm. I think I also came into the kind of community of zines and kind of activism. And so I noticed that there were a lot of self-published DIY zines on every topic you could imagine, uh, except the one I was really interested in, which was like parenting, right? How to be a parent, Mm -hmm. how to 
raise my son in a ways that I wasn't raised. And so kind of the ethos of that in community was like, well, I'll just start one myself. And so that really was the beginning of my writing career. It was like creating the zine Rad Dad and asking other parents to kind of write about what it was like to parent in kind of non-traditional or non-mainstream ways. That's amazing. And and as someone who started a podcast, I am 100% two thumbs up about starting something if you don't see what you want out there. So way to go. Way to go for that. And then I was just reading through your your excerpt here. Is is fiction your first love? Do you write other things? Are there other secret loves of writing that you have? Tell tell me all about that. Yeah, no, I love the process of writing and I'm multi-genre. That's what I like to think of myself, right? Multicultural, mm-hmm. multi-genre. Um, I mean, I started obviously with uh, that creative nonfiction essays, like how do, how do we parent, right? How do I talk mm-hmm. to my son about, you know, drugs and the environment and things like that. And then of course my daughters as they, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, decade long project, but I, I found myself, um, you know, brand, using kind of flash fiction or prose poetry to, to kind of write about very particular moments or ideas or, or thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then I would use that as material to kind of generate longer prose pieces. So I found myself using the specific genres to build up to longer prose. And that's really what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm finding a lot of pleasure in that difficult space of sitting down and working on something that I'm not gonna be able to finish in a day or a week, but something I'm gonna have to kind of meander through for the course of six months, eight months, a year. So that's, it's both pleasure and pain in the writing process. It's an interesting thing that that you say that because it seems both sort of organized and intuitive, this idea of starting with something shorter and then just sort of working your way to longer. Right. It's it's like like the writer version of a couch to 5K, really. (laughs) As someone who's never run, I would not know, but I get it. (laughs) Well, whatever. But uh, just (laughs) listeners, if you're thinking of writing a novel, this might work for you. If you're getting a little stuck, you can do it like Tomas does and you could start smaller and shorter and just sort of... It's like writing a marathon for for the novel. You know, and also it's been really nice to like if I'm if I'm stuck in a in you know stuck bored don't know where to go in my longer pieces I'll just turn to like playful usually usually my shorter stuff is kind of playful funny mm -hmm. little dirty you know whatever it's just like it's just meant to be pleasurable in the writing and also the reading of it and then so that then inspires me to um, get back into my the longer work, which is sometimes less, you know, pleasurable because you're kind of writing these longer scenes and stuff like that. So yeah, they, they really feed off of each other. It's, it's like the potato chip, chip of writing. You're, you yeah. have these little, little flash pieces, just consume a little bit and then uh, move back to the, what would that make the novel then? If, if short stories are potato the chips. Baked potato? I don't know. What's his metaphors in a go? And maybe I should stop thinking about food and, yeah. uh, <laughs> Getting me hungry, but yeah, yeah. There's a scene in there's a scene in the the excerpt. There's a scene in there which is like that I wrote um, as one of these little flash pieces that had nothing to do with the character or the idea. But once I wrote it, I realized, oh, this fits perfectly with the kind of the 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 character trait I'm trying to work with with the main character. So I put this random scene that I wrote 
for nothing into the book. And I think it works really well. And that's the scene where, you know, he's messing with the kid who's pushing buttons in the elevator. <laughs> yeah, that This whole excerpt feels, I, I, I don't know if saying gleeful is really the right adjective, but I'm, if you're going to hear wrestling here, listeners, cause I have the, I have the excerpt printed out and there's just so many moments in here where I I just love Ray, first of all, because he's such a personality, like a genuine human being. I, I could see this guy at the library pushing the cart. Like I, I feel like I almost know him in the way that, that the details are coming out. And oh, I mean, he's pushing the he's telling the kid to push the button, just push them all. Nobody's here right. when he's right. multiple requests to get a proper broom right. and deciding that he's going to stick it to the man in the library establishment, which I, I just love the way he thinks. Right. And he's going to do all these things and just it hints at that wider world of, of lived. Like, I believe this guy has been on the earth for 70 years because he has a lot of opinions and he isn't just this character that exists in this moment without any depth. He, he has depth, I guess is right. the better way to put it in. And there are so many points where I'm just laughing at him. And, and I love that there's ageism that, that gets thrown into here and the way he deals with it. And, uh, anyway, I, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Can, can we talk about how you decided, like, what, what the idea was? What's the process? It, so first of all, too, there are many firsts. You can take this in any order you like. Like, is this novel done? Is this something you're working on? Just tell me, tell me all about your writing process. Right. Well, thank you for that. I love the description of gleeful because I do think that's really what I wanted to capture, this joy, uh, you know, vulnerability. Um, I was really trying to capture a character that survived. I think that was really important to me at, when I was thinking about this project. Like, what does it mean to survive, right? To mm. uh, Because a lot of my writing before this manuscript um, was focused on, you know, people in their 30s and 40s, sometimes their 20s. And it was all this kind of like angst in a certain way. And I kind of wanted to imagine, because uh, I'm getting older as well, like, you know, what do we do? to continue, to, you mm -hmm. know, maintain ourselves, to stay committed and involved. Because I think that's also the struggle that Ray goes through as you're reading this book is um, where does he belong? And, mm -hmm. you know, where do, where do elders belong in our society in general? And I think that's kind of, um, you know, I, it's funny because early on in my writing process, I've worked on like children and really advocating that children need to be evolved in you know, all facets of our lives for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like in some ways, the same thing could be said for our elders, you know, like where do we welcome them in and how do we kind of uh, benefit from their presence in our, you know, everyday lives. So that's kind of the idea that I was trying to go for, but I wanted humor. I wanted a little bit of, you know, the, there's politics in it. Um, the manuscript is done. And in fact, uh, it's out on submission with my agent. So we're uh -huh. hoping... We're hoping, you know, that it will get published in the next year or so. Um, we'll see. Yeah. And and I would I just I read this and I, I told you in an email after I had read it that Ray just intrigues me. This whole idea, the fact that he has a very definite date when he wants to tie up all his loose ends, sort right. of. You know, we, we won't reveal anything that, that <laughs> needs to be revealed later, but. What a hook. Right. <laughs> here, he, here he is and he's he's tying things up. And I love, again, I love this idea that he hates 
first of all, does not like the coddling that the librarian wants, but he will use it if he has to. And I felt like that was so poignant because it's something that many marginalized people have to contend with. Yes. If, If if there's this point where where there's this box that people want to stuff you and you're you're living your life and trying not to be in that box and then when's the moment when you just kind of have to use it right to get just get something done i right. mean ray just wants a broom okay and to organize books by color <laughs> and so maybe in our lives those those things we need to do are, are less are less fun but it's absolutely something that that I that a marginalized person would identify with. This idea yeah. that well, the box is there, and there's not really getting you can't get away from it all the way. So, when do you use it? When when is the greater good? Right. It's it's just beautiful. And so there was that, you know, and more wrestling as I as I do this. There there's the the cigarette butt bandit, and I love that. That here, here he has this 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 girl who who lives near him, and he didn't quite recognize her because she's part of the unhomed community, and how he's dealing with that and going to tell tell Alma, you know, there's someone smoking in the non smoking zone. Right. I just I just love how lightly he. He talks about that. I love the way that you're dealing with so many issues that are sort of upfront and in some ways they're unflinching, but yet told with humor so, so that we can we can get into this world and see it without, I guess, getting overburdened in some ways. It's probably not a great way to say it, but it's it's definitely done. Right. It's lovely. No, I- I think that's, I mean, I hear what you're getting at because I struggle with that. And it's a fear of, I think, not just mine, but lots of writers where, or artists, I should say. Um, and I, you know, how do we talk about something important without being, you know, overbur- overbearing or didactic, right? Like we want to yeah. address these issues that we are all kind of like dealing with, seeing on an everyday basis, experiencing in our families. Um, but at the same time, like we know that how we present the stories we tell impacts how they are kind of received. And so there's that, exactly. that, that fine line and or that balancing act that we're trying to make. I think I, I think I learned a lot of that through, you know, early on talking about parenting because it's so easy because I hated as a reader to read anyone who says, this is how you should do it. Right. Like, yeah. You know, here I, and also like any time someone sounded like I'm, you know, a wonderful parent or I'm the, you know, so I think even with rad dad, I struggled with that name. Like, it's not about like, you know, being a cool dad. It's about, you know, being open to talking about the failures as parents and what we can learn from them. And I think, you know, I learned that struggle there. And now mm-hmm. I feel like it's benefited me as I'm trying to talk about issues in fiction while at the same time trying to be humorous and creating characters that I love and are, are, or are irritating, right? Um, yeah. That you can maybe watch them grow or fail. And, and the fact that you're walking that line, I, I believe helps people see them because we've, we've all had those experiences where you're walking past a homeless encampment or you're walking past something and you don't look or you're mm. trying not to see because it's so... Uh, it, it it hurts you to look at it in some ways, and we need to look at it. And in 
And because of the way you're writing it, it's easier to see like the cigarette butt bandit is a human being. Mm-hmm. And we're we're going to see her, I, I would imagine, in the rest of the of the book, more. And she's interacting. She has her own agency. She has things that she's doing. She's her own person. And right. I I loved how human everybody is in this, and how again I think that's a very big portion of why we're able to sort of engage with some of the issues that you're you're clearly bringing up here so yeah you thank will definitely you. see more of her she's she's one of my favorite characters <laughs> <laughs> well can we can we talk a little bit then i think we've we've hit on some of it already but just the sorts of impressions that you would love a a reader in this case for for the podcast a listener to be left with after they hear your story yeah i mean that's a good one it's it's i think what i would like to have readers leave the story or the world or the character with is just this sense of kind of vulnerability and at the same time, this need to connect with other people. Like that's really what I want in this particular novel to to explore, which is like how we create community, you know, between Mm -hmm. not just kind of biological family, but like the people on our street, right. The neighbors we have, um, a thread that is in the novel that doesn't really come up in this excerpt is kind of also like what we leave behind, like legacy. Mm -hmm. And so I think Ray is struggling with what he has been left from his kind of parents. And at the same time, what he, you know, is going to be leaving behind. And I think, so that's kind of with this story, what I would love people to leave with is like vulnerability, community, and at the same time, kind of a sense of humor and playfulness because Ray is meant to be kind of a a funny (laughs) character. I, and humor's he hard, is. but I wanted to try it. He is. I just love because he, and again, he's a whole person, but he he sort of moves between being sort of grumpy right. and not being grumpy and being sort of radical when he talks about the establishment. So, and the fact that he, he doesn't mind, like he's, he's not looking away from the homeless encampments. Right. He knows the people there. So that he, he's a person who has some, some moral fiber to him. That I mean, it just comes out very, very well. Right. Well, I know I want to see more of this story in, in its novel form, and I'm sure other people will as well. Do you have a place where people can follow you and and see where your your next things come out? Generally, I mean, I, yes, Twitter would be an easy one to kind of. I use that almost primarily for my writing work. I do have an Instagram mm-hmm. and a Facebook and usually those are less, you know, I balance that with my personal life. So, sure. um, but yeah, I, I mean, I have a, a brand new story out, uh, on catapult.com, ah. which is a really great story about a rescue dog and friendship in the pandemic. And, um, with Ray, actually it's been funny. This is one of the few manuscripts that I didn't really submit like excerpts from. This is actually the very first time Ray's been, uh, released into the wild. Awesome. I'm his <laughs> yeah, first so, person to see him. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And so it's been nice to sit with thinking about how he will be received because yeah, with other manuscripts, I tend to put out excerpts here and there. Or, you know, I write like you, like we initially talked about these like smaller stories mm-hmm. that then get expanded into longer stories. But with Ray, I kind of knew right away what I was doing. And that was just a different kind of a uh, 
process with that story. So yeah, Twitter would be the best place. I do have a brand new story out that I think I really like. And um, hopefully Ray will be out as a complete book, you know, sometime next year. Awesome. And listeners, if you check the show notes, you're going to see some links to some of these different things, including the catapult story. So check it out um, because I think you're going to enjoy them as as much as as this story. I I love Ray. I just cannot wait to see him out in the wild in book form and, and find out what happens to him. So thank you for coming, Tomas, to to this podcast. We, we I really enjoyed having you here. I appreciate you having me here as well. This is really a, a great experience to think about Ray in this context. So thank you. Thank you.